0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, Believers? This is the Believe in Bears podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Lee.
1: With Joey Christopoulos.
0: Hey, Joey. How are you doing today?
1: Doing fantastic. Episode three. Let's do it.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about this one. Today, we're going to talk about 1920 football drive. Uh, we're going to cover this, uh, this first episode. We'll talk a little bit uh, about some of the position, uh, positional stuff and stuff going on at training camp. That's always exciting. Maybe even talk a little bit of hoops, maybe some music, whatever is really whatever we're feeling today. Uh, You know, it's still preseason. Stuff's moving a little slow. What do you say about all that, Joey?
1: Look, as Virginia McCaskey would say, I'm ready to not just do this pod, but all the pods that came before us. I'm ready to roll.
0: Exactly. So, Joey, before we get started, why don't you tell everyone about our presenting sponsor for the show today?
1: Cameron, more than happy to. Back as a sponsor right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Our episode today is sponsored by BetOnline.ag, and we're talking hoops. Did someone say playoffs? The NBA, MLB, and NHL, they're all in full swing, and our partners at BetOnline have you covered speaking of betting i made a nice little wager on thunder rockets the other day game one everyone was thinking thunder minus one and a half i picked rockets big winner right there so guys why aren't you taking full advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds futures and props for you to bet on and there's always online casino as well it never stops and it never closes at betonline.ag so head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit again that's betonline.ag. And sign up today, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts going back to believe in bears. Cameron, BetOnline.ag, the sponsors back, baby. They're here to stay too. All through the season. We're going to be making some money. We're going to be helping people making some cash.
0: Yeah, that's that's exciting. We're like we're pretty much the the real deal now. Episode three, we already got the sponsors. We're gonna be tossing around money. I don't know, you're like some
1: sort of a, of a gambling expert, right? Some would say I'm, I'm a gambling consultant. I don't dip my, my toes too ah. much in the water, uh, you know, and I never divulge. I never kiss and tell in terms of my bets. But, yes, I, I do like to look at the spreads, the lines. I'm a big futures guy as well. Maybe a Yu Darvish Cy Young at plus 800 right now looking pretty good. Just saying. All at betonline.ag, Cameron. It's all there for you.
0: Okay, well, now that we've got that out of the way, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about 1920 Football Drive. Joey, what did you think about the first episode of uh, of this new web series?
1: First of all, super excited that the Chicago Bears are doing this for years. I feel like that they've always said, given the stiff arm to the hard knocks treatment, but they're doing it their way. They're bringing on their own camera crew. So do I think we're going to be seeing anything negative about them. I'm not so sure what I did think about the episode that was great was it was so surprising that they really walked us through all of the intense elevated safety protocols that this team is going to be trying to execute to keep their players safe so we can start week one on time with a full roster. Cameron, I mean, you've walked the halls of high Hall before. I mean, what did you think, man? Just seeing the bracelets, the temperature checks, the new weight room. it, It looks incredible. I gotta say, first of all, it did not
0: look like that when I played there. I got hosed. <laughs> I got completely and totally hosed because what I happened? was released in the middle of the renovations. <laughs> the place did not even look remotely like that. We had, you know, our our locker room looked different. the The weight room looked different. When I left, they were remodeling the new weight room, and the uh, they had made like a uh, a makeshift weight room inside of the Walton Pay- the Walter Payton Center. Uh, So, so basically we didn't have a real weight room per se, but that thing, that, that's a, that was a spaceship that looked like the, uh, like the death star. I'm so impressed by all the technology, all the protocols. It's really cool. And I love that, uh, in this bizarre off season that we're dealing with and not really getting to, to see as much of training camp as we normally would as, you know, there's so much of public access to some of the stuff that goes on uh, when they're in bourbon a, or, you know, having family day and just having these preseason games. There's so many things that normally we kind of get to at least see a little bit of what's going on in the training camp process. Well, we don't get that this year. So having uh, this show, 1920 uh, football drive um, is a pretty cool, you know, to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and give us an inside look at those things that we've kind of become accustomed to getting a look at. So I think it's really cool. It's it's a great idea, I think, and in, in, in this offseason especially, kind of giving everyone a little visual as to, you know, what life is like in this sort of mode. I think it's a really cool idea.
1: On top of that too, it's just a really great example or a little bit of a window into this whole concept of, you know, there, there is general cynicism going on right now about, you know, the NFL and sports in general. You know, how are they going to pull this off? Are they going to be safe? Are they really going to be safe? You know, all of that talk going on. And to really sort of walk us through the thought And the detail, and honestly, the extensive investment that they've put into it, I walked away thinking, you know, I know Ryan Pace said that, you know, we're going to try and do this better than anyone else. You know, I haven't really seen what other teams are doing, but I think that the Chicago Bears are going – beyond the pale right now to try and do it i mean can you imagine cameron i mean you're talking about it looks different now like was it like cowboy shutters instead of that revolving door in front of house hall was it like that it was like that old and rickety are you referring
0: to saloon doors yeah saloon doors cowboy shutters (laughs) no it was not cowboy shutters but yeah it was it was different you didn't have to we did have like a fingerprint you had to scan in and all that stuff which is Pretty cool. But uh, no, the, the the levels have only gone up since I was there just a few just a few short years ago. But I mean, it's so impressive just to see all that stuff. And I think it's really cool, you know, the commitment that uh, that Ryan Pace and the, the entire staff, um, all the way up to the ownership that they've made to making this thing work, because it would be easy to just, you know, kind of just go with it and say, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're just going to, play football and, but to really take the safety and, you know, put the players first in that regard. I think that's super cool uh, that the bears have stepped up in such a way uh, that they're really going to try to be on the forefront of the safety. I I just think it's great to see the organization taking those steps and being leaders in this, in that way.
1: Yeah, you're literally walking into House Hall like Will Smith in the opening of a sci-fi movie. It's just like they're scanning you, and you're walking through, and you have this bracelet and everything. And, yeah, we got to hear Nagy and Ryan Pace talk, and we got to hear you know, Nagy introduce, really make that introductory speech um, to the Chicago Bears roster of 2020. You, know, do, you remember, do you remember those times? And uh, they brought up Virginia McCaskey. What a woman. Uh, what a woman. And how'd you just, how'd you feel just in general about those introductory kind of uh, speeches that they gave to the Chicago Bears team?
0: That stuff's so cool. It's um, it's really a cool experience to be a part of. You know, sort of learning the history and, and going through all of that. I, I think it's that stuff matters, and you know, when you're a player, you're you're really interested in, in that stuff. But there's also a part of you that's kind of like, can we just get to the football? Can we just get to the football? But being on the outside of it right now, you can kind of, I kind of feel like. I have a greater sense for the moment and the, and appreciation of it, if that makes sense. Cause in, in the moment, you're just thinking about football, but now kind of learning, uh, and, and seeing them have that speech, it's, it's one of those things that I feel like maybe I, I took some of that stuff for granted and, you know, it kind of gives you those same, uh, first, it kind of gave me some of those like first day back to school feels, you know, kind of made me, th- you know, wish, Hey, I, I was out there doing that again. Cause it's, you know, the, the speeches are all built up so, so much. And it feels like maybe this is a bit more dramatic than it needs to be. But I mean, what you're about to take on going through a training camp playing in an NFL season, it's a, it's a big deal. It's not many people get to do it. And so, you know, being on the outside as being a spectator, it really kind of made me appreciate what it is that we went through and appreciate sort of those people that, uh, that make it happen.
1: In addition to what you're talking about, I'm kind of curious, you know, those first few days too, Ryan Pace is, you know, I truly believe that we have a championship roster. Of course, he believes in that. And, you know, what? 32 NFL teams think, think that same way right now. And then those first few days, right, you know, what is it like to, you know, maybe look around the room and not know exactly what all these guys are going to bring on the field, but you kind of look around and you go, yeah, maybe we do. Maybe we do have a championship roster in those early days of camp. It's so
0: funny because I think, like, that's just kind of the, the, the ego required to be, to play at that level. Everyone looks around the room and thinks, I'm gonna, I'm the best player on this team. I'm going to be, I could be the best player in the NFL. I could play for 10, 12, 15 years, beating the next Tom Brady, whatever. Um, so even like when pace says it or ownership or coaches, it doesn't matter. Everyone's got that same idea. And I think that's kind of like what it takes to, to do it. You know what I mean? I just think, I do think that's funny though, that everyone walks in with that same mindset.
1: Yeah, and then you set out, and then you sort of see where the chips fall fall where they may uh, as the season goes along or as you get a little bit closer. And then maybe those last few weeks of the season, maybe you feel a little bit differently, right, when you're staring at a 7-9 and nine or a 6-10. and 10.
0: It, it comes over you pretty quick. It doesn't, ta- it doesn't take long to be pounded back down to reality, but for a while, every team, every single team, you're feeling it. You're feeling yourself. You're always feeling yourself until you uh, play another opponent.
1: So I'm wondering if I can ask you as a former Chicago bear, you know, just your general, your general feeling, maybe you thought about it, maybe you didn't, but it seems like they always make a point to, to mention Virginia McCaskey and a woman who's, I mean, connected to the old guard of the bears, the GSH, the George Stanley Hallis. And, you know, they showed a clip from her from 2018. I know that was two years ago, but, you know, she's still, she's still got it up there. Her brain, her, her brain seems to be functioning perhaps even better than mine, perhaps and just your thoughts and just seeing the words that Virginia McCaskey had to say in that episode.
0: I thought it was really cool. It's really cool to see them put such an emphasis on sort of not just the ownership, but sort of what the organization means and like really going above and beyond to make it almost like a family feel, you know, cause it's, it's history. And I, I think that's really cool that the bears take such pride in that. And you know, they wear the GSH on the, on the sleeves, I think all that's so, so cool and so important.
1: And for me, it's Matt Nagy. I think that's just a part of the culture that he brings to the table. You know, I heard a little soundbite from him uh, based on last year our Chicago radio interview that he did, and the, the radio host was trying to give him a hard time and asking him about why you don't you run the ball, you know, sort of maybe taking him to task. And the first thing Matt Nagy said was, you know, first of all, before I answer that question, I just want to tell you I appreciate your honesty. He's like, I don't think we have enough of that out there. And I can at least appreciate you being honest and asking the question. And for him, he's like, well, how do I bring this team together? Matt Nagy seems like a family guy. And I think he wants everyone to be pulling for each other, you know, not necessarily off the field in, in a hokey way, but still, you know, looking after each other, making sure everyone's trying to be the best people that they can be so that when they step on the field, they can be the best players that they can be.
0: I definitely see that. And although I was with coach Nagy's sort of version of the bears for just a very short period of time, uh, you felt that though, even in those, even in just the month or two that I was on the team, uh, and you see that, and I believe that culture is so important. And Coach he's he's a high energy guy, he's a fun guy. You know, the we talk about like the Bears and Club Dub, and 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 just you know all these renovations and and p- changing of the offense and changing you know all these different things. I think that's so cool and so important, and having that sort of family looking out for one another. I think that's just, it's just so important and it plays really well into kind of, you know, the the way younger people see and view football and want to be a part of it. And as players continue to to enter in the league nowadays, like I think that stuff really matters and it makes you, you know, want to play for that guy and and work with that guy and be a part of what they're doing. So I I love that the Bears have kind of, they're, they're doing a really good job of maintaining both that old school tough mentality that the that you've kind of become accustomed to with the monsters of the midway and and all and all of that stuff like we were mentioning before but also they've got a cool fun young vibe if you will and uh i think they've, they've got that really interesting mix and i think they're on the right track with things and, and coach nagy i do believe can can be a successful coach and and run a, a very successful program
1: and if you're going to preach that can kind you of- say
0: program in reference to yeah. Did of you course. say program in reference to professional organizations, or is, that, <laughs> or is that specific to college?
1: Well, eventually they move it up to organization. But I think the program definitely turns into, mm. I think a lot of these assistant coaches that eventually become head coaches, I think in their interviews, I think they're probably saying words like, this is my program. This is, you know, this is my package. They don't consider it like an organization. And it's cool, right? With Matt Nagy, he's got this mentality and preaching this mentality, but he's trying to actually do it with action. So, I mean, I'm, I'm on board with the program. Sign me up.
0: Yeah. I I'm with it. I'm with it. I, I do think that they they've made strides in that direction and I think they'll continue to make strides uh, moving forward, but we're kind of reaching the point where it's uh, now it's now it's prove it. You know, uh, we've given you a, you've had a couple go rounds and now, I mean, you know, we've talked about it in the last two shows. We'll continue to talk, talk about it probably through all throughout the season, but it's kind of prove it time, you know? We've seen you uh, kind of cultivate a culture and try and uh, overhaul an offense, and the defense has been good, and we've brought new players in and new weapons. Now it's, you know, let's, let's win a playoff game. Let's, you know, we want to be playing in, in the divisional round or the, or playing for the, for the NFC Championship. Like, you know, it's, it's the next step. Let's, let's see the Bears take the next step.
1: You got to prove it in the film room. You got to prove it on the practice field. You got to prove it on on the field, you know, come game day. And you also got to prove it during the photo shoot, I noticed, which was one of my, they didn't spend a lot of time on it, but it was actually one of my, yeah, exactly. It was my favorite parts of the episode. And it it already got my wheels turning of like what exactly I would do. Cameron Lee, you're an offensive lineman. What's, what do you think your go-to photo shoot move is? Are you a
0: point guy? I spent, the, I spent the majority of my existence trying to have as little eyes on me as possible, especially as an offensive lineman. If people are watching you, that means you're doing something wrong. So that being said, if I were like doing a photo shoot, I'd be the guy that probably just got down to my stance. Maybe it would pull out a, a two point stance, which is not a position I ever was in, but you know, kind of have the hands up, chest up, have the, have the shoulders like kind of pulled back showing off the numbers. You know, I got a big chest. I'm proud of it. Showing that off, you know, you know, kind of, Hit some one of these. Have my hands up, showing off <laughs> these big bear paws, Couple that of sort checks. of thing. But yeah, I would. Yeah, so I mean, it kind of seems like you can do this thing where you like hold the ball. Not really an option for an offensive lineman. You can point. I don't really know who the hell I would be pointing to as an <laughs> offensive guard. Just like, you know, t- turning and, you. and checking with the official. Like, am I good? Am I good? Yeah, like that's not ever gonna happen. You're so, declaring
1: yourself offensive. Yeah, I'm not
0: doing it. Yeah, you could do like some. <laughs> right i'm touching my chest i could use you know some sort of like intimidating defensive thing but i don't think anyone would take me seriously my face is entirely too cuddly so i'd probably just roll with like the get in the stance seem serious you know i'm business i'm not i'm not
1: scary but i'm all business yeah i was trying to think i might be arms crossed slow head nod guy like yeah dinner time time to eat kind of guy or i could be uh i was also thinking the both hands up like the the bring it on like the devin hester a little bit like the the yeah the rise up the rise That's up audience you? move I, it might be I, i'm just trying to, i'm testing some out right now we're, we're going through a couple different photo shoots okay. here and then i don't know maybe the wag finger the <laughs> made tumbo no 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 yeah that one might not work okay. i'm not sure i would be fo- gonna i need to work question. on
0: some uh, believe in bears promo
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, we're gonna do. Up? We're gonna do a trailer. We're gonna do a trailer for it. Uh, I, my, I had a quick follow up for you though. Did you ever do? Did you ever do a Monday Night Football where you do? You know, Cameron Lee. You know, Illinois State. You never did. Did you ever do one of those? And if you did, maybe you could give us a taste of what that would sound like.
0: I never got to do one of those. I was never so fortunate to be active uh, during a Monday Night Football run. Um, but let's see if I if I was so fortunate to do one. I probably would have done. It probably would have sounded something like this: Cameron Lee, Illinois State University.
1: Oh, that's great! You kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. You brought a little tenor to it, a little sharpness to it. I love it. That's fantastic. Mine would probably well, yeah. Be- I don't. I don't want to get on there and be like, "Hey, do it. Go ahead. Hey, I want to hear it. Me, hey, Cameron. Uh, no, mine is, uh, mine's uh, mine's <laughs> Joey Christopoulos, D, Columbia College of Chicago. Thank that you. That was very solid. Much. Yeah, yeah, not bad. but <laughs> you I saw, you
0: just gave. You just gave Columbia College of Chicago way more reputation than, I mean that was that was it that was the highlight of Columbia College of Chicago's.
1: Yeah, and then Joe Tessitore just goes like, "It's unbelievable they didn't have intramural sports at Columbia. It's a performing arts school," and he still made it to the NFL. Third and five coming. Any other fun tidbits or any other things that jumped out to you from the rest of the first episode?
0: Yeah, the thing that really jumped out at me was I, I kind of you know, you never like to see the, the locker room after a loss. That's never fun, but I was kind of, I thought it was really cool hearing coach Nagy's speech at the end end of the season last year when they were in Minnesota and they were coming off the field and talking about how this group's not going to be the same. Um, but talked about sort of the perseverance and and the way the team battled and they had fight in them and i thought that was all really cool and it sort of kind of set the tone not only for the little web series but sort of the season in general i don't think anyone was fully satisfied with last year i don't think anyone was like super pissed or disappointed but that was kind of the entire mood of the thing and, and i like that they've kind of started off by saying hey Last year wasn't the worst thing in the world, but we know that there's a lot more out there. There's a lot more on the table. And so I I just like the way to kind of set the tone for the whole series. I I thought that was a really cool choice.
1: Heading into an off season too, where, yeah, you're disappointed after one season, you know, but you were 12 and four the season before you just got to get after it the next day and just try and prepare yourself as best you can for 2020. And we're getting closer to it by the day. If we're counting petty points, Mitch Trubisky talked, and then they gave Nick Foles the last word in the episode. I uh, I don't want to start a brush fire right now of, of a media frenzy, but Foles, Foles let us out of the first episode, and it's going to be exciting. It'll be fun to watch. It seems like it'll come out every single Monday. It'll be fun to just check in with our Bears because we can't watch them on TV in preseason.
0: Are you going to be counting stuff like that every week? Are you going to be checking in on who got the last word or who had more airtime?
1: Look, I'm just taking a page out of Matt Nagy's book, and he says – we're, we're judging everyone, every single check, every single decision they make, leadership moves. I'm counting petty points. I'm counting looks. I'm counting smirks. I mean, at this point now, we're going to be in the dark until they make a decision. So, you know, this is what I have to, have to work with, Cameron.
0: I, I think that's fair enough. Like you said, this is all the viewing that we're going to get. We're not going to get to count interceptions. They're not going to show us any sort of bad footage whatsoever. So we got to go based off of airtime and who had the most talking points.
1: And so let's move over to training camp. You know, what's actually going on? We did get a little bit of news this week. You know, Artie Burns tore his ACL. You know, we brought him in over from Pittsburgh Steelers, a guy that they had drafted fairly high. They had high hopes for. He kind of sort of lost his job, you know, in Pittsburgh. They cut him loose. Came over the Bears hoping to be like a rotational piece of the cornerback position. They weren't expecting him to start, Cameron. But what do you think this does to their depth? It's hard to see a player go down with that type of injury early in training camp. You know, how do you think the Bears move forward from here?
0: Yeah, the the loss of Artie Burns hurts. Um, not that I think that he was the long term solution, but you know at this point they're in a they're in a competition battle in a position battle uh, for that you know that next cornerback spot. So the more bodies you have to throw out there, the better. Artie Burns is not someone that has had a tremendous track record, but he's someone definitely that has some talent and has shown some upside and that has some experience. So he's not a bad person to be able to throw in there. Uh, his loss is definitely going to impact his defense. What I think it really does though, is it sort of expedites the timeline for a guy like say who, a guy we've spoken uh, about before, like, like uh, Jalen Johnson, who, you know, he's not even fully healthy himself. He's someone that I've, like I was saying earlier on previous shows that I think has the um, highest upside to contribute to this team of all the rookies. And I think Jalen Johnson will eventually be that starting cornerback. Is that week one? Probably not, especially seeing as how, he's not even fully healthy from that shoulder injury. Uh, So what we're going to see is, I believe, a lot of Kevin Tolliver. uh, He's an undrafted player, but he's got some experience playing with the Bears. And so I think we're going to see a lot of guys kind of have to move around, shift positions, sort of fill in the gaps. Uh, But I I think ultimately we'll we'll see Kevin Tolliver sort of as a stopgap, would be my guess, for a while until they kind of get Jalen Johnson up to speed because they don't have that they don't have the luxury of having uh, plenty of guys with a a plethora of experience in front of, in front of that rookie anymore. So, you know, time's a ticket and and they're going to expect a lot more on a, on a faster timeline from Jalen Johnson.
1: More snaps for Tolliver can't be the worst thing, right? And once you get Jalen Johnson back, you, you fit him right in. I want to ask you Cameron, put on your GM hat for a second. You know, there are some guys on the street, you know, there's some secondary guys, Logan Ryan, you know, he signed a big deal with Tennessee. They eventually cut him loose. He's on the street. He had four interceptions last year. A guy like Drake Kirkpatrick, veteran presence. You know, there's some guys on the street right now that could possibly be signed Morris Claiborne. You know, how do you go about this? Maybe you don't sign a guy today. Do you like, let's see how it plays out for a couple of weeks, maybe make a decision around week one, or do you just say, these are the guys we got and we're just going to move forward with these dudes and trust and have confidence in them.
0: Yeah. The thing about having veterans uh, that are out there and that are available, it's not necessarily like going out there and trying to fill a void with a rookie immediately. You could probably, Give it a couple weeks. See how training camp's going. See if these younger players. See if Artie Burns or not Artie Burns, but if Kevin Tolliver can play in Artie is absence. See if Jalen Jones or Johnson's going to be ready week one, week two, week three. So you have a little bit of time. I, if I were the Bears, I would look definitely look into a Logan Ryan type of player. You know, a veteran player, a guy that you know can come in, uh, play opposite Kyle Fuller, can uh, step up, and, and not someone that's going to need a ton of reps to get going and get up to speed, you know, someone that's kind of, that's been through this process before that, you know what you're going to get a consistent player. You're not asking them to be your top corner. You have a good corner. You're just asking for someone to, to help uh, fill a void. Uh, that's got some leadership. That's got some experience. You know, they're really looking for, we keep coming back to this, Jalen Johnson is going to be the guy. So really what they need is just veteran leadership experience, you know, to come in and help get this, you know, get, this young guy up to speed. So I I would definitely look to a player like a Logan Ryan that's out there, uh, you know, sign that man, see, see what he's got in the tank. But I I don't see the downside in that.
1: Well, now that you lose already burns, you know, that frees up 2 million to go out and perhaps make that move. If you want to pull that lever, they could also maybe look at, you know, somewhere on the interior defensive line, somewhere along the way, if they don't think, you know, that combination of guys in the middle there can get the job done. Also want to ask you a uh, little off script, but I've also noticed Mike Furry, the wide receivers coach this week, has been talking up a lot of wide receivers that aren't named Allen Robinson, you know, trying to instill some confidence in them. You know, he he was talking about Riley Ridley earlier in the offseason about how he seems to be coming in. You know, he's got a little bit more of an NFL body, paying more attention to details and also about Javon Wims. And I'm sort of asking, if he maybe helped break it down for a, a novice, not a not a football guy, but You know, for Javon Wims, they were saying that he wants him to have more compact, violent moves in his route running, and he's doing too many wiggles and shimmies and shakes, and he's being stubborn about that. You know, as a player, you know, is that something where – is that a fundamental aspect? Is that some sort of – Javon Wims has this confidence that these certain moves work for him, but, you know, he's trying to work into coaching – you know, how can you kind of dissect maybe what Mike Furry's talking about? Or is he just trying to give a guy a pat on the back to keep, you know, listening to him during practice?
0: <laughs> I think that's definitely part of it. Part of it's definitely just trying to, to continue to get your guy to keep listening to you, to keep buying into it is what you're saying. Uh, when, when it comes to a lot of these coaching points, you got to remember these guys are professionals. They got here, They got here because they have some sort of talent. They have some sort of skill and they've got their own way of doing things, they can't all be coached into the same box. The best coaches know that, and they will, you know, you have to listen, you have to buy, and you have to give give into some amount of, of the coaching and, and sort of work within their framework. But also, at the end of the day, you know, uh, these guys are kind of going to be who they're going to be. So I think that Mike, I, I think the coach Furry for knows, you know, you going to let the guy be, but at the same time, Hey, I want you to continue to listen and set a good example and show some of these younger guys, like, you know, how it's done and, and how to work within the system.
1: And it appears that Riley Ridley and Javon Wims are fighting for a roster spot. If you had to pick one of those guys, who do you think maybe has the slight edge just based on what you've seen in the past?
0: If I were to, I mean, if I were to, to go out there right now, I would say, I would say Javon Wims. Um, I think that he's been able to, he produced a little bit more and, in the past. And, and I think that he is someone that, I don't know. I, I just like the upside of him and who knows, but if I, if I were to guess right now, I would give the, the upside to Javon Wims. What about you? What do you think?
1: Javon Wims, we've seen him on the field, right? He's one of those preseason darlings where as a Bears fan, we watch him in the preseason and he absolutely rips it up. And we're like, why isn't he out there on the field more? Contrastly Riley Ridley is a guy that we drafted. You see all the stats. You see all this guy's going to fit right in.
0: Exactly. But it's, it's that time of the year. It's the preseason. Javon Wims is out and I'm going to fall for it. I'm, I still believe in the upside. I still believe in what my eyes are, are seeing. I will be let down probably come the regular season. But if I, if I had to choose between the two, I'm still, I'm still team Wims.
1: Yeah, there's a part of me that wants Riley Ridley. And what is it about um in professional sports when a brother is way better or has earlier success when the other brother comes along, you automatically think that that brother is going to be just as good or if better. I mean, he's a Ridley brother, right? I mean, he's got to be good. It's assumed. Yeah, you just
0: kind of you can figure that's that's got to be the way it is. That's its thats that has got to be the way it is.
1: Yeah, there's like seven different Alamars in in baseball. Hey, let's uh <laughs> I want to ask you a I want to ask you a question here you know, in the off season, you know, I just noticed watching 1920 Chicago football drive, you know, they were pumping a lot of, you know, heavy hit and music. You know, I'm kind of curious, you know, let's go to cam's corner here. Let's go into cam's cottage. You know, what are you listening to right now?
0: Okay. So first of all, first things first, we need to narrow it down. Where is it that I am? Am I in a cottage? Am I, am I in a cave? Am I in my corner <gasps> Uh, I can't be all these places at once. What, right?
1: what if we go Cam's casita, where it's this nice, kind of more tropical setting <laughs> right now? We could do that one for this time around, and then we can work on narrowing it down.
0: Well if I'm in my casita, if I'm in my casita, then I'm listening to Jimmy Buffett. Parrot hat on. you've got sad. a parrot hat on I'm, and everything. I'm a weird guy, so my music tastes are kind of all over the place. A lot of, I like a lot of uh, the classic country, if you will. I like um, a lot of 90s grunge alternative that's another sound i got really into i like a lot of conscious hip-hop i'm kind of all over the board as long as they're really like telling a story that's kind of what i dig that's right i said i dig so show, showing my age i guess 90s um, shout out shout out yeah shout out to us 90s kids With that, said, that was a
1: dank drop man <laughs>
0: <laughs> no but i uh, i was one of those guys that my music, my musical taste was all over the place. I'm not one of those guys that had like a playlist per se. If we were about to play a game, I'd probably listen to something a little bit heavier, uh, some sort of hip hop. Uh, I could always, I could always get into like, whatever hip hop was popular. I just kind of shut off the words and just kind of go with the music, go with the beat, the vibe. Uh, that that was something that I was in, always into. But sometimes during practice or during, you know, meetings, you just kind of need that wind down. And so I kind of getting getting a little bit more of the the mellow, I, my mellow uh, vibes, kind of just Natalie getting Lupina, my feelings a little bit.
1: Uh, Jewel, we're talking. Uh, we're talking. <laughs> Who will save your soul, dude? Instead of Cameron dude, Lee, of Illinois one. State, you should have done that. No, we're not cutting that because that's your new Monday Night Football drop. That's that you're you're singing in it instead of introducing yourself. I think that's a great way to go. '90s grunge question. <laughs> 90s grunge question uh more difficult than you think nirvana or soundgarden nirvana okay i'm a soundgarden guy not
0: difficult
1: i'm a soundgarden guy
0: i prefer chris cornell in uh audio slave
1: yeah killer killer voice well yeah then you've got rage against the machine combined with soundgarden late 90s sublime incubus alternative that like that era too as well you're into that did you get limp biscuit did you ragged in by limp biscuit Okay.
0: I've got, I've got to, I've got to tell a story. Let's go to cams. Let's go to cams corner, casita, cottage, wherever. All right, here we go. You ready? Yeah. Okay. So here's my story. I am what I believe. I believe I'm like eight or nine years old. My dad tells me if I go shopping with him to Walmart and I'm a good guy, if I'm a good, if I'm well-behaved, I can buy a CD. I get to pick out my very first CD, my own choice. Right. So, I've been well behaved. I'm very excited. I get to. I get my choice. So, I run over to the CD aisle. I remember vividly. Walmart had so many CDs back in back in the day, and I come back running up to my dad. Two choices in one hand. Lil' Romeo. In the other hand, <laughs> Limp Bizkit's The Nookie. Yes. Okay, and I said, Dad, help me choose. And he looked at both of them and said this one and i went home with the nookie and played that a lot not knowing what nookie was so and then i i learned when i was like 25 what
1: nookie was <laughs> but it's like, yeah chocolate hot dog water i think was the name of the album and uh yeah the zeitgeist at <laughs> the time great yeah. music video right so wait that was the first cd you've ever you've ever bought I think,
0: yeah, I think I had CDs previously, but it was like the first one that I got to like choose for myself. Yes. So that's terrible, terrible choice
1: (laughs) and bad Um, choice by my dad. First two CDs I ever bought Aerosmith's big ones Mm -hmm. and Warren G's regulators. So, I mean, isn't it so funny when you're a kid, isn't it so funny when you're
0: a kid, like how your taste is just everything yes and no one's music collection those cds don't go don't go together but you were like
1: i'm buying both i've gone through well and it goes through phases right because when you're a young kid you uh, yeah you will literally listen to anything that sounds pleasing to the ear and you're so susceptible right to like get into what's popular and then in high school i feel like i went through a phase where i started kind of becoming a snob where it was fun to talk poorly about the bands that you didn't like because the bands that you did like were precious and elevated and amazing. And then in college, I started going back to like some of the cheesier pop stuff because I was like, you know what, damn it. This music is pretty good. You know what? Huey Lewis in the news is pretty damn good. And then you move into another phase where you're like, I have a sophisticated taste of music. And now I listen to whatever, dude, anything you could get me with anything.
0: Shout out to Huey Lewis in the news for titling an album sports. Just, just sports. Fun fact. Flex. Yeah.
1: Super flex. Right. And you know why they did that was because they wanted all their albums to conceptually be different news segments. No joke. So that one was going to be called sports. They were going to do another one. You know, they eventually did one called weather and then they were going to do another one like called like breaking news and stuff like that. That was the idea at the time. That's why we're a team man. Cause you're, you're filling in the the gaps in my in my knowledge. This is why I come here. I don't have a lot of background on Limp Bizkit. I have to be honest with you, other than the fact that I will be honest. I also own the CD. You knew the name of the album, which I mean, I'm impressed. Yeah. When you say you listen to like hard stuff, you're talking like hard hip hop, or do you listen to heavy metal music, or I don't know that I've ever been pumped. <laughs> I'm just really
0: not. I've never been super pumped. Uh, I do – I listen to some – I listen to some gangster rap if I'm going to – if I'm really going to go for it. I love Jeezy. Jeezy is – I don't know why. He and I are – he and I could not be less alike, but I just – I just appreciate the man, you know? I just feel like there's a lot of rappers whining these days, you know? Just uh, a lot of really in-their-feelings rappers, and I just appreciate just like a good old – just a good old rapper that's just like telling it like it is, you know? I just – I don't know. I long for that. I'm not a. I'm not a sensitive person. So, I just kind of respect the hustle and grind mentality of my man Jeezy.
1: Yeah, you just leave that for like the weepy '90s. The wind, The weepy '90s hits. The Sean Colvin. The Savage Garden. That the tracks it. that you hear at the dentist office, basically. <laughs> so we got about 25 days, 26 days to go before week one. Let's be honest. We've got some time, my man. So believe in bears. You know, we don't just talk about football. We don't have to. We're talking about music. We're talking about spicy chicken sandwiches. Let's talk a little hoops. I've been dying to do this with you for a while. You're a big hoops guy. I I love the basketball as well. We've got the NBA playoffs going on. We've got a little NBA draft lottery going on. What's in the forefront of your mind uh, in terms of basketball right now?
0: Going so long without having any sports to watch, and then all of a sudden, the bubble comes back for the NBA, and it comes back just full speed. And, I mean... This sounds like it sounds obvious, but when you get rid of the bad teams and get, make every game matter, holy crap, what a formula. You know, I think that's part of what we like so much about like March Madness and the NCAA tournament. Every game matters and for the most part, anyone can, you know, win on any given night. That's not to say that, you know, 16s have beaten ones before. It's been done. So, anyway, I just think that the bubble's been such a such an exciting time not just for basketball but the you know seeing how a, an organization the size of the NBA can come back during this time and put in these precautions and put in these measures and prove that you know if you do things right that you know this whole COVID-19 situation that we're dealing with can be eradicated can be fixed can be avoided you know, not to get too deep and too much of my soapbox here, but like, I find it really encouraging that this group of people, you know, obviously there's lots of money and resources or whatever. Beyond the basketball, I'm excited by the progress that that league has been able to make in having this success. I hope that other sports leagues and other groups and hopefully our country are one day able to recreate the success of the NBA.
1: NBA is leading the way on so many different fronts right now. And I got to tell you, it's so great that they're back. And you're right, man. I mean, let's be honest. No one's tuning in to watch Wolves Wolves versus Charlotte or, you know what I mean, Minnesota versus Charlotte on a Tuesday night. You know, those teams aren't even in the mix right now. So you've got, I wouldn't say the best teams in the plan situation. But then we saw teams that were written off like the, the Phoenix Suns come in and win nine games in a row with some talented players. Devin Booker's a joy to watch having them come back and, and you're right, too. I mean, I'm rooting, I'm rooting for every single sport to not only make it through their season, but to make it through their season healthy just because, not, just because I want my sports and you know, I'm on the West Coast. Basketball starts at 10 a.m. for me and goes all the way till 9. It's pretty amazing. That's not just the only reason. The only reason is to show us that there are certain ways and precautions and protocols and ways to think about things to go back to doing things normal. And safe. You're right. Costing tons of money. But if we can at least create those things to build off of, I call that progress.
0: Yeah. I just think that throughout these last, what's it been six months or whatever, um,
1: there's been so much time where it just
0: seems like we need hope. We need hope in whatever fashion it comes. And even if it's that, if, even if that's just a bunch of guys running around playing basketball and proving that they can, can do this and that we can have a life and that we can, you know, not contract this disease. And I, I think that's really cool. Just we need more examples. We need more leadership. We need more positive examples out there. I think the NBA has just done such a tremendous job with dealing with so many crazy circumstances at one time and putting out an amazing product because this basketball has been fantastic to watch. And the games are awesome. It's not even... You know, just, hey, basketball's back, and it's fun, and I like it. I mean, the games are awesome. You got eight seeds beating one seeds. We've got guys scoring records, amounts of points. Uh, it's It's been very, very, very exciting.
1: And I'm going to put an elbow right in the ribs and knock you off the soapbox because I'm going to get on mine real quick. Let's be honest. You know, sports sports is a galvanizer. You know, people talk about it as a distraction, and sometimes the word distraction can be – borderline derogatory, but you know what it is. And and if it can galvanize us in the sense of we can watch something and see it happen that feels anything like the normalcy that we had six months prior to this. Cause let's be honest, there's so many other things that are different now. You know, through the ages it's always been able to get us through all these different hard times throughout not just our country but around the world with sports. And I'm I'm rooting for it and I'm just so happy to see that NBA was leading the way. Obviously baseball is going through its little bumps in the road, but man, NBA has been zero positives since the moment that they stepped into that bubble and they've been able to play all the games on time and the basketball has been awesome, man. You're right. Like Dame dollar going off, you know, the thunder and rockets going on right now. I wish Westbrook gets back into that series cause I want to see CP three and Westbrook jaw at each other, you know, like the bucks, they, they bounced back today, but you know, do they have, do they have the guns to make it through, you know, real quickly, who do you like in the East?
0: You know, entering into this thing, it was hard to pick anyone other than the Bucks, And I love Giannis. I love a lot of what the Bucks can do. But I kind of have like a prove-it mentality with them because in the NBA, we see a lot of great players go super far and have a lot of success, but it really doesn't matter until you get to the biggest stage. We kind of hold uh, James Harden in this category. We hold, we've held, you know, Chris Paul in this category. There's lots of great players that are, you know, right there, but they never quite get over the hump. And then once they get over the hump, we give them the full credit. I want to see Giannis do it, but I'm not sure that he's there yet. The team that seems to have the pedigree is playing well, gelled well and the East is is the team that won last year. And I know they lost huge pieces in, in Kawhi and Danny Green, but if you watch those, uh, watch the Raptors play, watch the way they work as a team, the sets that they throw out there, just the creativity that Nick Nurse coaches and, and the way the team plays, they throw out lineups that are bizarre and they just find a way to make things work. And it just seems like whereas the majority of the teams or teams in this league really revolve around a superstar, Pascal Siakam's a great player, Kyle Lowry's a great player. I don't know that they have what I would call a superstar, but they have seven, eight, nine guys that are pretty damn good and pretty competent that you feel confident down the stretch with. So honestly, at this
1: point, I'm leaning towards the Raptors to make it out of the East. Anubi's playing. Well, what I like always liked about them is, you know, with Gasol and Abaka, they have interesting size where it's like this professional veteran size that is really smart around the basket, which I like. So that helps against the Giannis matchup and you're right, man. It's so interesting. They win a championship. They lose Kawhi and then somehow Siakam and Van Vliet have taken a step up after they win a championship. That is the most intriguing aspect for me. And go back to the Bucs real quick. Look at what's going on with them. You know, Giannis is still doing what he's doing. And he's putting up 37-17, you know, all the great stats. But then, you know, is Chris Middleton going to step up? You know, when it, is he going to truly be that number two guy, the way that maybe some of the guys in the Raptors have been able to elevate their game? Can he elevate his game? And you're sort of seeing it a little bit in this series, you know, with the Magic and Brook Lopez, where Vucevic is kind of like, completely just banging him around and Brook Lopez doesn't even really go in the paint anymore. He just kind of shoots threes. So, I really like Milwaukee's size, but again, at the same time, they need those complementary pieces to play like championship players cuz I think Giannis could average 35 and 20 a game and they still might not make the finals.
0: Yeah, they're going to teams are going to continue to pack the paint, force Giannis to you know, f- make make the right pass in the big moments to get the ball into the hands of other players and they're going to have to score and they're going to have to score a lot. You know, all-season Brooke Lopez, uh Brook Lopez has been a good player and Chris Middleton's been been a good player. Bledsoe's been in a good, been in a good player. George Hill is leading the league in three-point shooting. Those are all really really good things, but who of those guys have stepped up and done it in the finals?
1: I can't you know? believe. So like, that's really where what we're getting to. You know it's 2020 when you just said George Hill leads the league in three point shooting. That's just that just know. Kind of blows my mind. I mean, good on him, right? But I mean, that's a surprise to me.
0: Yeah, I know. So, I mean, and that's that's the thing is I I really like what they do. I like coach Bud. I believe in them, but you know, you just you just going kind to of have to prove it at some points and I I don't know that they will. I I believe in the roster the Raptors pedigree. Of, of winning. Uh, I believe that they've got enough players to throw at Giannis and to neutralize him. And they've got their guys, their second level guys and their third level guys are more proven in big
1: moments than any of anyone on the Bucks. So we're just going to have to see it from them. Two other teams too, that I've been kind of surprised with, you know, I know that Miami, the Miami Heat are good, but you know, they've played pretty well these first two games. I like their collection of pieces, like the way that their, their roles are sort of spread out, like Bam in the middle. You got Jimmy Butler hitting the shots late. I think Duncan Robinson had 24 today. You know, you got, you got, Chris, you got Chris Dunn. You got uh, Goran, uh, Goran Drogic. And also a team that I was kind of doubting going into the, into the playoffs, but I really, really like their roster. The Boston Celtics have looked really good in the first two games as well. You know, I just think that they're a really deep team. You know, obviously, Kemba's dealing with the arthritis. Gordon Hayward's out for the next four weeks with the sprained ankle. But still, I like the collection of their pieces. They can still bring in Marcus Smart, and he can sort of fill those minutes without even really skipping a beat. And Tatum's playing great. You know, do you say – and that's the thing with the Bucs is any one of those teams can knock them out before they even get to that Raptors situation. So the East is looking a little bit friskier than I thought it would, at least one through four, in my opinion.
0: The way that the Heat have been able to – Really exceed everyone's expectations. Jimmy's ability to sort of turn himself into—I don't know—a a, a, a point forward. He's—he's he's a leader without having to necessarily be a star scorer. They just have so many great shooters and role players and guys that know how to play within that offense. And they're just exciting and they—they they play with great continuity. They're a lot of fun to watch. And the Celtics, we knew that this team was gonna be was gonna be good. They're just kind of—they're uh, a little unproven. In those big situations, I worry a little bit about them if they happen to run into, you know, those those teams with those big dominating players inside. Daniel Tice is not by any means a a a defensive stopper inside. Ennis Kanter is a solid offensive center, but not exactly. Again, not a beast on the interior. Even though the centers are fewer and far between uh, in today's NBA, you still, uh, you know, they're they're beating up on on Horford and Bede, um, but that's all that the the Sixers have. Whereas, you know, if you run into Toronto, you're going to have to stop Gasol. You're going to have to stop Siakam. You're going to have to stop Kyle Lowry on the perimeter. There's just a lot more options. And I, I love Tatum. I love Brown. I love Kemba. That series could be really interesting. I just, I like the Raptors' ability to cover all the spots. There are no holes in that team.
1: Completely agree too. Like the Raptors have guys that they can throw at Tatum and give him problems on the regular throughout that series. I know he's averaging what, like thirty one point five through the first two games of the playoffs right now. I'm not saying that he keeps up that pace, but he needs to be their, their go to guy. And I think that Raptors that Raptors matchup is not ideal for the Celtics, especially if they catch them, um, you know, in maybe the second or third round of the playoffs. This is believing Bears, Cameron. We had a little draft lottery tonight. Bulls. Pick seventh. I'm sorry. No, wait, wait. That was the last 8,000 years. The Bulls pick fourth. How about it? In the top four, you know, not a lot. Everyone, it, it feels like this NBA draft, these lottery picks, these guys, these prospects are, are, are just being hidden away. No one knows, you know, a lot about a lot right now. Your just general thoughts about the Bulls getting into the top four.
0: Man, they made the jump, which means that they've they've jumped into the top four. And they're going to have a pick in a a draft that I would say is not very deep. It seems to be one of the least touted uh, draft classes in a very long time. I don't know if that, I mean, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the fact that we didn't have March Madness and we didn't get to see these people have full seasons. Obviously there's been lots of debate about like player eligibility and some people never even played in college and stuff like that. So it's going to be really interesting. Uh, I the Bulls, I feel like, have – they've drafted okay in the past. They they, they certainly have – they've picked some okay players. I feel like there's been some missed opportunities. The one that really still stings me is watching Michael Porter Jr. Uh, do what he's been able to do in the playoffs for the Nuggets and knowing that uh, the, the Bulls kind of let him go by because they didn't want to take a flyer on a guy that had injury history, which I, I get to an extent, but the Bulls, need, the Bulls needed anything at that point. Uh, so – I don't, I'm not a huge fan of really anyone in this draft class. No one flies off the board at me. I just hope that uh, maybe making that jump from the seven to the top five, getting that fourth pick, maybe they can get the player that uh, can sort of start to put all these pieces together because I feel like the Bulls do have some pieces. It's just really a matter of taking all these young guys, getting a good coach and a good fit and and, and kind of, you know, Kind of cultivating that culture like we've been talking about because it's the same thing that the
1: Chicago Bears needed to do. Maybe it's the same thing that the Chicago uh, Bulls need to do. And the pressure's already on. Like they got to hit on that pick. I'm totally, you're, you're speaking from my brain on the Michael Porter Jr. situation. You know, when that draft came around and he started falling, texting with some buddies, they're like, yo, take Mo Bamba. I'm like, dude, I don't want Mo Bamba. They, you know, Wendell Carter was sitting there, solid basketball player, right? But look, at some point, the Chicago Bulls need to try and buy a lottery ticket and hope that they cash in on somebody. You know, I don't know if it's exactly this season, but Michael Porter Jr. with the back issue could have been the number one pick. That was the time to maybe take that lottery pick. I feel like that they take a lot of guys that are solid NBA players, probably rotation pieces, but the team is kind of filled with rotation pieces like they're filled with, five through eight guys on a playoff team. And we need to start building this team with one, two, three guys for playoff teams. So I'm kind of hoping that they just do the scouting, maybe surprise us with somebody. They're already talking about taking a guy, Killian Hayes, this left-hander who's a defensive guru. You know, you know, Obi Toppin's already been kind of rumored to possibly go in that four spot dynamic score. I just want them to take someone who we think can be an all-star. Not a good, you know, you know let's take a risk
0: yeah I would love to see the bulls step up and make an exciting pick because they haven't done anything that I've been truly excited about since Derek Rose, which surely surely they've done something exciting in the meantime, but you know right now, like you said, the team is filled with talented young role players and Zach Levine who's gonna shoot every time he gets the ball, so I would like to see them go out there and and, and get someone that can play within the offense and You know they can maybe be the future of that of that team offensively, but I'm such a such a uh, just real conservative in all of my takes on the show. I should I got to start saying like you know hotter takes.
1: You got to start heating up the oven a little bit. You know what? As we get a little bit deeper into it, you're going to notice that we're going to start making some takes. Lamelo Ball
0: is exactly what the Chicago Bulls need. Exactly what the Chicago Bulls need. Lamelo Ball is the best player. That I have ever seen. I saw him score 90 points in a high school game. I saw him be the rookie of the year in Australia at the age of 17. And I think that he could score 25 points
1: a game in the NBA next year. I'll take rebuttal. LaMelo Ball, if he's selected by the Chicago Bulls, will be the worst mistake in Chicago Bulls history. I'm telling you, he is a bust from the jump. He will not even make it two quarters in the NBA. I'm telling you, after two quarters, they will cut him and then he will retire. It is the worst mistake that they could possibly make. How'd that feel? It felt a little outside of my comfort zone, but if we're going to be sports media
0: personalities, we got to get used to, to doing that. Let's just, let's really just dial up more hot stuff
1: to say for the next episode. Virginia McCaskey, Limp Biscuit, hot takes. This was Believe in Bears, Mr. Cameron Lee. My name is Joey Christopoulos. This episode is brought to you today by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag right now and sign up today for some great gambling bets and make a little cash. Cameron, take us home. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode. I'm uh, taking this out for
0: Joey. I'm Cameron, and you're listening to Believe in Bears. Keep on believing, people.